The presidential motorcade had just passed through heavy crowds in downtown Dallas and was circling through the fringes of the business district when three shots suddenly rang out. Destroying the media lies and dismantling the narratives. One story at a time. It's the Adrian Slate Show. The presidential dogs have been removed. They have been deported from the White House. I'm Adrian Slate. Thanks for tuning in. You know, here's the funny thing about that situation. If you remember, we're in the middle of the cycle of media. It's either we're going to go through a period of four years to eight years of just toxic just pissed off media, constantly just dunking on any possible uh, action, reaction, uh, event, whatever the case may be, if there's a Republican president in the White House. And you remember, as soon as a Democrat comes into power, everything's sunshiny and, and rays and, and blooms and beautiful roses and everything's great. Going back to... I mean, you can follow it all the way back. If you remember, Jimmy Carter's in the White House and everything's so great. Oh, we're making these treaties with China. And ah, yeah, the gas prices are kind of high. and We got a misery index, but eh, it's not a big deal. You know, inflation's through the roof. And then suddenly Reagan gets into office and it's like, this guy's an idiot. Oh, he's a moron. He's a war hawk. He wants to destroy Russia. And it was just constantly bagging on him. And then, you know, same thing with George H. Bush. Same kind of situation where they're, you know, talking about him puking in China, or it was a Japan um, where he puked up on the table, uh, you know, no new taxes, all that garbage. And then it gets into Bill Clinton. And the beginning of the campaign was like, Bill Clinton, Mr. Clinton, do you wear boxers or briefs? And he's playing his saxophone. And, you know, he's walking on the beach with Hillary right before Monica Lewinsky comes out. And he's placing the rocks on the sand. And they're dancing like they really care about each other. And then we get to George W. Bush. And it was just constant. He's an idiot. He's a moron. 9-11 happens. And then it's like, oh, look, he's aiding and abetting the people that are ridiculing the terrorists, waterboarding. They're dumping vodka and tequila on Muslim terrorists and all this crap. Then we get into Obama and it's like, oh, the, the seas have receded and the climate change is fixed and everything's beautiful. And, and, you know, they went through this cycle and then Trump, who got it the worst, well, we're in that cycle now. We're just on the other end now that Biden's in office and we're talking about his freaking dogs. Remember, it started out with them talking about, oh, the president's going to have two dogs. Wow, that's great. That's cute. Oh, not only is he going to have two dogs, there was a pet psychic who said that she kind of felt the energy from Major and was going, oh, he, he can't wait to get in the White House. Yeah, so much so that he can't wait to bite the crap out of somebody. But before we get to that, if you remember, Biden ended up hurting his leg, breaking his leg, a little hairline fracture because he pulled his dog's tail while he's in a bathtub or some spooky, creepy garbage is that. And then we get the, the first dogs coming in. It's crazy because we went through the installation of a president. You know, where they installed him. Chuck Schumer was saying, we are going to install him. News media outlets are saying, we are going to install him. I think Eric Swalwell said they were going to install him, too. And what ends up happening? Well, everybody goes home on election night. You know, it's like tax day for, the, for accountants 
but we're just going to go, ah, who cares about the tax day deadline? I'm not even going to put people on extension. I'm just going to go home, take, take some, take some, you know, Zantex and go to sleep. I mean, <laughs> what in the world? Why were you sending people home? Why were dead people voting? Why were vacant lots receiving mail-in ballots? Why was Dominion voting machines changing votes? Why were votes being dumped? We've been through all that. So they installed a president. They can't even install the first dog because the first dog bit somebody and they had to can them and to banish them. And the news media just, you know, they, they were just so sad about it. And there's even a picture, a lonely picture of a brown dog bed up against the side of the White House like he's been evicted. So they sent him back to Delaware. And then, of course, what's the first thing on uh, on the reporters' minds. Now it's not about you know the fact that we're just going to dump a crap ton of our tax money down the drain to pay for student loans and also offset the cancellation of debt that they would have to report to the IRS. And we're going to bail out New York and California for knifing their own economy, doing a hairy carry on their own economy over coronavirus, and get rewarded on the back end. We, you know, while Cuomo's dealing with girl number six talking about sexual harassment after he had 15,000 people killed in a nursing home by his policies, same as Governor Whitmer and same, same as uh, what's Murphy up there in New Jersey. We're going to go through all that, but we're not going to ask those questions. What is, what is it that you really want to know? When are we getting the first cat? We were promised a White House cat. What, what happened to that? Where is the cat? Today's a good day for the cat. Um, I don't have any update on the cat. We know the cat will break the internet. Yeah, inquiring minds want to know. That's the big pressing question of the evening. First cat. When's the cat coming? Is the cat going to break the internet? Are you going to get one of those naked cats? You know, the ones that don't have any fur so it can be like Kim Kardashian and truly break the internet because, you know, naked cat. But, I mean, this is how silly our news media is. This is how unserious they are. This is because most likely they're just a giant CIA operation to just, you know, psy up us all, just do a big psy up on the entire nation, send them into, you know, crap, uh, uh, pants crapping panics over coronavirus, which has a 99.99% survival rate for those under 75. Um, we're going to do all of these things with the media to, shape narratives you know it's like black lives matter oh suddenly you know racism is such a big deal somebody actually online said what is the has black lives matter really accomplished anything oh uh, yeah they got 90 million or 90 billion i think it was in revenue that they raised they burned down streets and tore down statues but you know they still have a lot more to go a lot more to do you know it's we got to have the conversation because it's just not done. It's ne it, so much more to be done. It's never going to ever be done. But, you know, that's the problem is we've, we're in this social justice warrior era of Black Lives Matter. And, and the media is obsessed with creating narratives of racism and sexism and all this garbage that we get incidents like what happened with Oprah's interview with Harry and Meghan. Now, I didn't see this thing. And I don't plan to even cover it that much, but there's a couple things I did notice. First off, Meghan Markle is basically trying to pretend like she's out of the first season of The Crown. You know, 
yeah, I was in Buckingham Palace, but I didn't want to be there. I don't know. No one told me how to become a royal member of the family. Nobody gave me an instruction manual, and they treated me like garbage. I almost wanted to kill myself, all that garbage. I saw clips. So she's talking about how there's racism with the Queen of England and all this BS. And everybody's going, why is that even something you would even bring up? Why would you do that? I mean, why would you even talk about that? Um, there's a reason for that. There's a, it's not just they're trying to play to some woke narrative and to gain support, to gain public image. Um, the real wokeness about it is the fact that what they're trying to do is they're trying to position themselves within the new woke world that they're trying to build with the Great Reset. And I know that sounds kind of funny and conspiratorial, but think of this. There's a couple of things you have to put into perspective. Um, you have to put into perspective the fact that Meghan Markle is talking about racism. Uh, how is the chick from Suits who's married to a prince having any issue with racism? Well, it's because she has to cry racism. They have to take that stance because critical race theory has to be implemented. It's the same reason why Prince Charles' obsession with climate change is such a big deal. It's why businesses are pushing climate change-focused products, you know, free-range egg, you know, egg chickens and free-range, or free-range eggs, free-range chickens, uh, you know, uh, environmentally organic, uh, all this BS. All your products are made for some green sustainability garbage. So the product value is cheaper, or it's not as good quality as what I'm getting at, but it's not cheaper. It's probably more expensive. But they make markets. I used to laugh about it. I'm like, they're, they're making a market for people that want to eat vegetable items that don't come from any sort of, uh, you know, there's no dairy, you know, veganism. They can't have a face on the animal. It's got to be some, some thing that's so vegetarian or organic and what have you. How are they building that market? Because there's got to be demand for the market. Well, what do they do? They created demand through indoctrination. They decided to put people in, uh, you know, to infect lot minds in school and what have you. They're like, oh, you know, it, it's not good for the animals to be eaten. And they, they found a way. And the people that bought into it are buying into it because of some sort of virtue uh, signaling. They, they want to be virtuous and to have purpose and meaning and do something great. So they're going to, you know, save the animals by not eating them. And they're going to eat these other products. And they're doing it because these companies are evil and all the while, the companies are slowly being infected with woke activists. So at the end of the day, when somebody goes, I'm going to go after that business because they're mistreating their animals and they should be making vegan stuff. They're like, oh, we are making vegan stuff and we don't even have animals anymore. And guess what? You can go ahead and cancel us because we're on your team. We want to be canceled. You know, we, we want to be the pur purveyors of wokeness and carry it across the, the finish line. But the other reason why they're doing this is because of the of what's called ESG scores. And ESG scores are really interesting because they are environmental, social, and government scores. And this is how they're going to affect lending. This is how they're going to affect business ventures and business relationships. This is how they're going to allow you with digital currency to purchase items. I mean, do you want that gun loan? 
nah, we don't think you should get it. Even though it's constitutionally pr- protected, we're just, you don't need that. Um, do you want to invest in oil companies? Nah, even though there's a lot of profitable companies out there and the, and they're really kind of going up in value with their stocks, it's not good for the environment. So we're just not going to give you a good score on that. So they're creating a credit score, a social credit score, a Black Mirror style, Chinese style credit score outside of the government. And they're going to do so using the power that they have as a business. And they're using their powers with social media companies and It's something that really needs to be addressed, and it looks like somebody is addressing it. And this is from Credit Union Times. GOP senators push legislation to prevent Operation Choke Point. Now, Operation Choke Point was originally set into motion by the Obama administration, and it was done through, uh, I think it was like car title lending companies and even gun companies. If they didn't approve of your business because – you might not fit into the business model that is good for the people, then they'll just end your lending. They'll end your transaction ability. You know, they'll choke point you. They'll choke you off at the point. And that was Operation Choke Point. Well, that model is now being used as the model on the global end. If they, they're going to try to, you know, MasterCard is going to be at the Great Reset at Davos because MasterCard's going to decide, yeah, we don't want to lend to you because you might be in a business that we don't approve of. You might be a conservative working, so we can, we're going to have to cut that out. And luckily, federalism is kicking in, and we're going to get into that here in a few. Federalism uh It was weaponized during the coronavirus, but it's now starting to be put back in its proper place because it's actually being used to represent its constituency. And certain states are realizing federal government wise, we're screwed. We don't have the power. They can pass whatever they want because they've installed the president. They've installed the Senate majority and they want they still maintain their House majority, maybe not by as much. But your state governments have power because the federal government is limited as to what they can do on the state level unless you go to a leftist college and then you think it's like a monarchy. Well, that's the thing. States are fortifying whatever they can do on their end. And that's what's happening with this Operation Choke Point. So a GOP senator is pushing legislation to prevent it. The bill also requires credit unions to provide written justification for why they are denying a person or business financial services. Republican senators this week introduced legislation that would prevent credit unions and banks with more than $10 billion in assets from declining to provide services to constantly, constitutionally protected industries and law-abiding businesses, such as gun manufacturers. The bill, S-565, was introduced by Senator Kevin Kramer from North Dakota and is co-sponsored by 24 senators, including half of the Republicans on the Senate Banking Committee. Quote, as chairman of the Banking Committee, I repeatedly pressed financial institutions and federal regulators for fair treatment and lawfully operating companies And I will continue to provide strong oversight on the issue. Former Senate Banking Committee uh, Chairman Mike Crapo, uh, uh, Republican from Idaho, said one of the bills, uh, he's one of the bill's co-sponsors. He said 
Companies and customers complying with federal and state law must have access to credit and services based on their credit worthiness rather than their social or political pressure. The bill is in part an attempt to ensure that the Biden administration does not attempt to reinstitute Operation Choke Point and Obama administration project. That project was intended to hold financial institutions accountable for processing transactions they knew were, were fraudulent. Critics said that the program allowed financial institutions to decide not to do business with controversial uh, companies such as payday lenders and gun-related firms. Credit unions instead are insisted that they would not participate in the project. In its closing days, the Trump administration's Office of the Comptroller of the Currency announced the Fair Access Rule, a rule that would prohibit programs like Operation Choke Point. Operation Choke Point sought to eliminate legally operating businesses in America only because they did not fit in with the Obama administration's political ideas, Representative Blaine Lukensmeyer said from Missouri. The fair access rule would ensure all legal American companies will have full and fair access to financial services and the economic freedom they deserve. However, upon taking office, the Biden administration announced its intention to delay the rule in order to reevaluate it. During the last Congress, the issue also became entangled in the controversy over the providing the safe harbor to financial institutions that serve marijuana-related businesses. Some lawmakers proposed combining the two issues into one in order to make the marijuana banking bill more attractive to Republicans. However, the plan was never, or, it was never adopted. In addition to prohibiting large banks and credit unions to refuse banking to legal businesses, the Kramer bill would require credit unions and banks to provide written justification for why they are denying a person or business financial services of doing business. Providers who fail to comply with the law could have their status as insured depository institutions terminated. So that's happening on the federal level. But then we also have some things happening on the state level. And that's actually something that's really pretty, uh, pretty cool. Because if you remember, when the coronavirus kicked in, states took it upon themselves to force lockdowns, to shut down businesses, to arrest surfers who were, you know, thousands of yards from other people to arrest paddle boarders and salon owners and tattoo parlor owners. And, you know, they were, they were weaponizing their powers as a state government using states rights as the crux of their, their power positions and saying, yeah, we're just going to bow out of the economy. And hopefully if enough states did that, well, then the economy goes down, and then that doesn't look good for the Trump administration. Mm, a bad economy might bring in a Biden administration, wouldn't it? It might also force a mail-in uh, voting situation, which they're trying to codify right now under H.R. 1, at which that needs to be shut down. But all of that culminated into the installation of our new president. Now, all of a sudden, states are finding it necessary because they know they're not going to get uh, things in their best interest through the federal side. They know they've got the power to do what they should have been doing instead of weaponizing states rights against its own constituents, its own citizens. 
They should be representing them because that's why we elected a state legislature. That's why we elected a governor, a lieutenant governor, an attorney general. So there's some interesting things that are popping up lately. Iowa Governor Reynolds signs into law Republican-backed bill that makes it harder to vote early, shortens early voting periods from 29 days to 20. Votes, uh, voting sites will close at 8 p.m. rather than 9. So states understand the federal government is getting ready to overreach, and they're holding their own lines. The Georgia Senate passes sweeping election bill that repeals no-excuse absentee voting, and it comes as GOP lawmakers push to narrow voting rights, which is garbage. I don't understand how voter ID is racist. I mean, everybody's got ID. But there was other incidents. We talked about it in the last uh, last podcast. I mean, Alabama Senate votes to make hormone therapy and surgery for trans youth a felony. Arizona governor just announced a new executive order requiring public schools to offer in-person instruction by March 15th. That that happened in Connecticut too. Connecticut, March 19th, lifting all capacity limits on restaurants, retail, libraries, personal services, indoor recreation, gyms, museums, offices, and houses of worship. The Mississippi House is passing a bill banning transgender student athletes from female sports, and the bill has already passed the Senate. You know, then you've got situations like Wyoming to lift the mask mandate, restrictions on restaurants, bars, and gyms to end on March 16th. Then you've got what happened just tonight. GOP Arkansas governor signs bill banning nearly all abortions. So states have the power. In fact, I heard, I think it was Daniel Horowitz talking about this, where everybody was so focused on the presidential race and he kept screaming, hey, we have majorities in many of these states. Why not start governing our states on that majority you know, level, on that majority mindset. Then the presidency is a moot point. He's just a figurehead. Yeah, he's going to pass some things. Congress is going to do things like this stimulus bill, totally wreck our dollar. But at the same time, there are things states can do that can fortify if we're lucky to live in one of those kind of states. Although I think from what I understand here in Virginia, there are many delegate states uh, or delegate races that GOP uh, candidates are either running unopposed or Democrats that used to run unopposed now have a GOP contender. So that's looking good. The fact that Trump moved the needle in Virginia and flipped Loudoun County for the most part, even though Fairfax County got screwed with crazy election changes. I think there's a, a wave of distrust of the Democrat Party. Heck, the Nevada Democrat Party, the moderates just resigned because the Democratic Socialist won all five leadership spots in the Democrat or in the Democrat Party uh, convention in, in Nevada. So, you know, there's a there's a change coming on one side, a push to a direction that we don't want to go to. But then there's an overwhelming desire to get back to some sort of moderate modernization. And really that's only coming from the right. <laughs> We're not pushing people into, uh, you gotta, you know, handmaid's tale and all. No, we're actually the ones pushing for the blue collar rights. We're the ones pushing for workers' rights. We're the ones not siding with big business and lobbyists because they're all working with the left. So there's some changes coming. I'm not sure how this is going to play out 
especially, you know, when we get in a situation where the media is talking too much about Biden's dogs and, of course, the dog let him down by biting him and we get a cat. But that what's going on organically on a state level is what we need to watch. And these are kind of things what they're talking about that's happening in Alabama with this abortion bill may force Roe versus Wade to go back before Supreme Court. So then we have to look at what's going to happen with Kavanaugh, Gorsuch, Barrett, you know, uh, uh, Roberts, that clown who voted dissent against a free speech issue. <laughs> I, you know, we're going to have to see where this goes back in a moment. This is Adrian Slade. So as we were saying before, there's multiple levels, whether it be in the state uh, legislatures or on the federal level, um, to stop these measures, the environmental, social governance scores and uh, different pushbacks on mail-in voting and voting integrity. All of that's happening with because the left is pushing it through. With things like HR1, they're teaming up with big businesses and allowing these businesses to start dictating unconstitutional provisions. And the pushback is starting to happen, which is good. We need the pushback. And one of them is, if you remember, one of the things that really helped the left install their puppet, Joe Biden, was the fact that attorneys generals and uh, state secretary of states, these individuals many of whom uh, were funded by George Soros, looked the other way. And George Soros figured out, you can't do this top down, you got to do it bottom up. So what you would do is you would lobby someone sympathetic to your whims, put tons of money behind them, put them in power, and then when Antifa decides to start beating people in the streets, eh, we'll just arrest them for a few minutes and let them go. But we'll put QAnon people or MAGA people or the Proud Boys in jail for months, if not years. QAnon shaman guys still in jail. Um, You know, when election integrity comes on the desk, we'll just look the other way. Well, locally, in fact, listen to this. uh, It's happening. A pushback is happening on George Soros. Former cop leads quest to oust prosecutors funded by George Soros amid spike in violence. This is from the Washington Times. Um, Basically, this individual, (laughs) it's really cool what he's doing. The neighborhood in Northeast Philadelphia where Nick Garcet, or Garris, I'm going to go with Garris, (laughs) grew up, was known as Copland, and his family fit right in. Quote, my great-grandfather was a cop in Sicily, and my grandfather was a barber, and my father was a cop, he said. I grew up a cop in a cop family. Everyone in the Garris family is either a cop or a barber. Cutting hair didn't interest him, though. The Philadelphia Police Department hired him when he was 19 years old and swore him in at 20. He never envisioned a day when he would find himself at odds with the city's law and order institutions, but that's where he is. He's off, he's, uh, off the beat, serving as president and treasurer of Protect Our Police PAC, a fledgling organization as one goal to oust the district attorneys who took office with campaigns bankrolled by the political action committees of billionaire liberal activist George Soros. The DAs, Mr. Garris said, have instituted racial agendas or radical agendas that seek fewer prosecutors and less incarceration in cities such as Philadelphia, Los Angeles, and St. Louis. These cities have been reporting soaring homicide and shooting rates. Philadelphia under Soros-backed attorney general uh, or district attorney Larry Krasner 
also endured considerable violence and damage during the scattered protest of 2020. Quote, you can look at every city that has a George Soros appointed DA and it's an utter chaos, Mr. Garris said. It is a complete breakdown of the system. And it's exactly what Larry Krasner was put in office to do. He's doing exactly what he wants to do. In his eyes, he's successful. In the eyes of normal people, he's a failure and a fraud. Mr. Krasner said he's holding police accountable for misconduct and brutality and is helping uplift long-oppressed communities of color with more lenient sentencing, parole, and prohibition policies. The Protect Our Police PAC is Philadelphia's way of confronting Mr. Krasner, a longtime defense lawyer who sued the, uh, the police department dozens of times before making his first political bid with more than $1.4 million in campaign cash from Mr. Soros. In Los Angeles, deputy, uh, deputy district attorneys have filed lawsuits against their boss, George Gaskin, and a recall petition is circulating in St. Louis, where the Police Officers Association's lawsuit against Circuit Court attim- uh, Attorney Kimberly Gardner was dismissed. Seething cops began re- retrenching after Ms. Gardner was reelected in November. Most of the bloodshed in Philadelphia has been in black uh, neighborhoods, And the very people Mr. Krasner claims to champion, Mr. Garris said, in 2017, the year before Mr. Krasner took office, 79% of Philadelphia's homicide victims were black, according to the crime statistics. In 2020, when homicides jumped 40% from the previous year to near a record 499, 86% of the victims were black. Blacks who were disproportionately victims in shootings last year While blacks comprise roughly 44% of the city's population, 84% of the victims in Philadelphia's 2,236 shootings were black, according to police figures. In other words, more people being killed and shot and more of them black than at any other point in the 21st century. Mr. Garris reminds people that it happened under Mr. Krasner's regime. So the PAC is trying to remind motorists of frightful numbers by taking out billboards over Interstate 95 which slices through Philadelphia's eastern edge by the Delaware River. The PAC does not plan to endorse a candidate in the May primary, but it's on urging residents to donate. Visit firecrasner.com website and change their political affiliation to Democratic so they can vote against him. So the pushback is happening. It's pretty amazing because he's in a position where he can actually do something about that. And he knows the problem. The problem is Soros, because Soros is a part of this great reset. And these are little cogs in the big wheel. We have to fight back on local levels. This is what I've been talking about since the election results were, you know, came through and we found out it was stolen. We have to fight on the ground level in our own communities. We have six, six actual election counties that need to be corrected. We talked about that on a few podcasts ago. But in lieu of doing that, or while doing that, we need to focus on district attorneys batting down Soros-backed attorney generals and district attorneys and, and secretaries of state. We need to push legislation that will not allow companies to discriminate. You know, I was watching this, uh, I think it's Undercover Millionaire, where they take some millionaires, they put them out in the wild, basically, they give them like a phone, an old truck, couple hundred bucks and they have to turn themselves back into a millionaire. Pretty amazing show. It's pretty cool. But there was one individual that at first, when I looked at it from one angle, I was like, well, of course she's out there making juice. She's after African-American. I think she's married to like, uh, what's his name? Timberland who lived here in Virginia. Um, 
the hip hop, the R&B producer, she's going and making juice, but she went to her black church or the first black church she could find in that community where she was dropped off at. She ended up meeting with the pastor. She ended up connecting with black business groups. And at first I looked at it, I was like, well, of course she's going to win. They've got an infrastructure already set up. And that's where it went. Bing! Conservatives need to do that. Now, I'm not saying segregate your, your conservative business community away from liberal businesses, but fortify yourselves with conservative uh, individuals who want to engage in business because at the end of the day, when the woke mob decides you're not social justice warrior enough and we're coming for you, they can't cancel you because the individuals that run those businesses that have those connections are not going to bail on you. The public pressure doesn't work that way. And so I applaud her for getting in with the black economy. We need to do the same with the conservative economy while we're fighting back on the ground politically in local elections, state elections, and then that will trickle itself up into national primaries and hopefully a presidency. I'm Adrian Slade. Thanks for tuning in. You can check out the podcast, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spreaker, TuneIn, Overcast, iHeart. Also, donate to the show at anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support. That's anchor.fm slash Adrian Slade slash support. Check out the blog and get the free Roku channel in your streaming store. God bless.